At this time, we'll have our second message for the day by Barnabas Grayson, entitled, The Spirit of Power. Good afternoon. Howdy too. It says in the, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and a sound mind. So, we're to have some spiritual fearlessness. To have no fear, as sometimes the, the wording on a t-shirt might read, no fear. To have spiritual power, to have spiritual love, and to have spiritual sanity. Today we are here to, you know, observe the uh, day of Pentecost. And in looking forward to this day, we counted 50. I, somewhere along the line, though, however, lost count. I didn't know where I was, but I did not exactly count to 50, but I knew what day we were going to be here, so. <clears throat> but anyway, this count began on the day after the Sabbath when the, uh, the priests cut uh, the wave sheaf, a sheaf of the first fruits of the harvest. It's curious, however, that the Israelites weren't told the meaning of this ritual that they would be observing year to year. So the symbol of the wave sheaf was not revealed, just that they were to observe to do it, that it might be well with them and be acceptable. In hindsight, we see that the Passover lamb, by its death, represented the sacrifice of Christ, and his death and uh, it, uh, sacrifice would be pictured in, in the feast days, in the festivals. So if his death is pictured in, in those festivals, then uh, his resurrection would also be symbolized. So we look back to the wave sheaf, uh, the, the sheaf of the first fruits of the harvest, and we see this connection uh, made in 1 Corinthians 15 and in verse 20, beginning there, where we read that now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. So this speaks of a resurrection, a harvest of all those who have fallen asleep, that is, you know, the dead in Christ, who will in a resurrection yet to come, will come back to life. Verse 21, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. And so we realize that as we look at the resurrection, as we look at Jesus Christ and all that he did in those days uh, from which we counted, we see power. We see the spirit of power at work. So this day is tied to 50 days earlier when counting uh, toward Pentecost began. In the book of Luke, chapter 24, and this was after Christ was crucified, it came to pass as he sat at meat with them 
on this road to Emmaus, uh, he took bread and he blessed it and broke it and he gave it to them. And at that time, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they knew him. And then he vanished out of their sight. As soon as that realization that this was Christ who was there eating with them, they realized that who he was and then he vanished. We see the power of the Spirit. So their eyes were opened. And in verse 32, they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And while he, uh, and while he opened to us the scriptures. Have you ever had that feeling that as you heard someone speaking, it seemed like every word seemed to be, to be drawing out more and more of your tender and compassionate emotions, feelings that sometimes uh, soon gives you a lump in your throat and it's hard to swallow. Maybe you've experienced this at a movie where the dialogue would begin to touch your heart. I, you know, uh, movies are like, I do sometimes, I just sit there listening to the words and I get choked up and I pretend that I'm not, but you know, you, you, <laughs> You know that all around you, people are dabbing their eyes, and you try to think of something else because you know you, you don't want to be like, look like a sissy, but you're not. But you start to tear up, and swallowing becomes becomes hard. But you you try to hold back, but your heart becomes so overwhelmed by the words uh, that are being spoken that uh, you cry, and everything that is because everything is just so wonderful wonderful and touching. So I'm thinking this is how the disciples must have felt when they realized that this was their Savior, that they saw crucified, who died, put into a tomb, but now he lives. So in verse 33, they rose up at the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together in them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and he said unto them, Peace be unto you. Because as they were talking about this, Christ appeared. He was there. He stood in the midst of them. And his first words were peace. You know, be calm now. And it says that they were terrified and they were frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? It's talking about these doubtful, doubtful thoughts. Look at my hands, he said. Behold my hands and, and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see me. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see me have. And so there was his flesh, there was, there was his bones. And you know, he, he, he told Doubting Thomas to reach on to the inside. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands, showed them his uh, feet. And while they yet believed not for joy, he, and they wondered about it. And he said unto them, well, do you have here any meat? And uh, so I'm kind of thinking out of the box here. 
that they must have been still in disbelief, in a state of disbelief and shock rather than in joyfulness and seeing Christ there in the midst of them. So he asked for food which would settle them as they saw him eat. And in verse 42, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. So we see that Christ gave them his spirit of power to recognize him, to see that he is who he said he is, the Savior. He opened their understanding to all those things. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Thus it is written, thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and in fulfilling the prophecy of Moses of Christ's suffering and his resurrection, in Acts 22, Moses, uh, Paul uh, talked about how Moses had prophesied of, of that thing. Acts 22, uh, we see where the Jews had caught uh, Paul in the uh, temple that he was preaching, and uh, they went about to kill him. And in verse 22, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. So, as a Passover lamb, Christ suffered and he died. And as the wave sheaf, he rose as the first fruits of the, of the heavenly harvest. So from the cutting of the wave sheaf to the completion of the harvest, seven Sabbaths had to pass. That is, you know, seven weeks and then one day. Leviticus 23, And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number fifty days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Eternal, the Lord. So this counting of the seven Sabbaths of the Feast of Weeks, known as Pentecost to us, shows a progression in time and completion of a time period, seven sevens. And beginning with that, uh, we saw the Passover that showed the death of the Lamb of God dying in our place for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We see it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. 
we know this, that as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but every man in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So we see Christ with the spirit of that power that he has over death. Something in which, you know, we uh, can be fearless in our spiritual uh, attitude. So on the, also now on the day of Pentecost, we notice that there were two waves that were, that were waved, two wave lows. Uh, we read in Leviticus again, 23, even unto the morrow after the seventh, seven, seventh Sabbath shall, yeah, those S's there, I just can't, can't put them together very well. You number 50 days, and you shall offer a new uh, meat offering unto the Lord. And you shall bring out of your habitation two loaves of two-tenths deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. They are the fr first fruits unto the Lord. So after the grain is harvested, <coughs> it's threshed in, uh, to separate you know, the seed from, from the uh, husk. That husk is then blown away you know, by winnowing. And the heavier seed, they, they stay uh, kept, they stay put. But once the separation is done, it is ground into a fine flour. And this flour is mixed with water. And it's also mixed with leaven and then kneaded then molded into a, a loaf of bread and baked. Now, we know from uh, the days of unleavened bread that leaven represents sin, but here we see this leaven, which is a symbol of sin. And regular grain offerings are to be un unleavened. So we see that these two loaves can't really symbolize Christ, who was sinless. So they must symbolize, and there are various interpretations of this, they symbolize believers who are to be resurrected, to be waved before the Lord as the first fruits of the harvest. Two wave loaves, symbolic of two groups, those Israelites who lived before Christ and those since. In the book of James, uh, chapter 1, 18, we see of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be kind, a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And in Romans 11, the Apostle Paul to the Gentile brethren in Rome said in verse 16 that if, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them partook of the root and fatness of the olive tree, don't boast against the branches. But if you boast, you bear not the root, but the root you. You, shall, uh, you will say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be graft, graft in. Well, because of the unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest also, uh, uh, he also spare not you. So in all this, he says, Behold, therefore the goodness and severity of God in them which fell. 
severity, but toward the, you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also shall be cut off. So we can see both Jew and Gentile in these loaves, all sealed by God's Holy Spirit. Skip on down to Ephesians chapter 1. Well, I was going to refer to first, uh, 2 Corinthians, but there's a lot of scriptures there. Spare you of those. But everyone, Jew or Gentile, who believes in Christ and has the Holy Spirit given unto uh, him, have been given the power that leads to everlasting life. And that's what you have, the spirit of power. You have the spirit that is going to lead to everlasting life. Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded uh, toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. Now, these words here in this, uh, these verses that I just read, these were spoken, uh, these were the words of Christ, uh, and before he had told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Skipping some of these verses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power. You know, they are supposed to wait in uh, Jerusalem. Because he is telling them, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Acts chapter 2. So when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. These past, you know, these past few storms that we've had, you know, you're, you can be sitting in your house and you hear the rumble of the thunder and it seems like it's just all over the roof of your house. And so we can imagine in a, perhaps in a smaller way how this thunder must have, uh, have uh, taken place. A sudden uh, wind, a uh, sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. In verse 3, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit 
gave them utterance, and we see that this was around the third hour of the day. And as you know, we heard in the first message that there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation, under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, verse 6, the multitude came together and they were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? So how hear we, every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? We're seeing the spirit of power at work. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, and all this other list as we go in verse 10. Verse 11, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Now the power of the Holy Spirit was given on that day. The power from on high, the spirit of power. John chapter 14, it says in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may, be, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be, shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, he said, I will come to you yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. So that spirit of power that is to come tells us that there's a promise that we will live because he lives. Verse 21, he that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judah said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered, If a man love me, he'll keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. So in verse 26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he or it shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace we know is one of the fruits of the, the Holy Spirit and it comes by knowing that we are secure in the love of God. Even though things may go against us and many of you do understand what peace is like having gone through a lot of trials, great trials of pain and, and sorrow in your life. But that peace of the Holy Spirit comes. It may come slowly, but it comes. Verse 28, you've heard how I said to you, I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I go to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. And we know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that Christ promised us. There comes strength. There comes power. First Corinthians, uh, Chronicles 29. 
Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in, in the heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of you, and you reign over all. And in your hand is power and might, and in your, uh, your hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Notice in verse 11 that we have words that are similar to the, to the uh, prayer, the model prayer that Jesus Christ gave to his disciples when they asked him, well, well uh, teach us to pray. What do you ask for in, in prayer? Isaiah 40 it says to lift up your eyes on high and behold who has created these things that brings out their hosts by number. He calls them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one fails. So on a cloudless night sometime, you know, look at the sky, look at the stars. If you have a telescope, it brings it even closer, even binoculars. But you're looking at a lot of power there in the universe that's above our heads. And that power is beyond any man's imagination. You could also look at pictures that the Hubble uh, uh, telescope takes. All of those things, you look up high, you begin to realize how powerful the Father is. In verse 27, he says then, Why say you, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hid from the eternal and my judgment is passed over from my God. So we see these people, their rebuke for their unbelief, their lack of trust in God's power. You know, uh, in spite of everything that you see around, around them, they still did not have the complete faith that they needed. It was there. All they had to do was look. Verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the eternal, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the eternal shall Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings and as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. That's the spirit of power that is in our Savior. In our God. Second Timothy. Wherefore I put you in remembrance. That you stir up the gift of God. Which is in you by the putting on of my hands. You know, this is the gift of eternal life that, that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, as I read earlier, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Who has saved us, oh, verse 8, Be you not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of, his, or of me, his prisoner, but be you partaker of the afflictions of the gospel of, according to the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. This Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's the Greek equivalent is pneuma. Both these words denote the word breath. 
and breath, you know, has to do with life. The Holy Spirit first came with power on the day of Pentecost among those in Jerusalem. And the same came upon, you know, Cornelius and his band, showing that the uh, Spirit, this breath was also intended for, that, that it was intended for Gentiles as well as Jews. A uh, Acts 10. Verse 45, and they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, and then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. That is in honor of the Lord, in his authority and by his power. And they prayed, uh, then prayed they him to you know, tarry certain days. Romans 8. This is good you know, for us all to know in whom the Holy Spirit has been given. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 11. And if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify, put to death, kill, the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you're the sons of God. If you have the Holy Spirit in you that was given you on the day of your baptism that is still out there waiting for more sons to come to that uh, point in life. So Christ has the power. He has the might. He has the authority. And we wait on him to change our mortal bodies our mortal bodies into immortal spirit beings in a resurrection that is to come. Who can really define the power that Christ has? The power of the spirit of Christ who was able to heal, who was able to walk on water, who was able with his word just to calm the storm, to uh, restore the uh, blind to sight. This word power comes from the Greek word dynamis, meaning strength, from which we get such words as dynamo and, and dynamite. And within us is an inkling of that power. And it's just, you know, like food that gives us the calories or the energy uh, that gives us life and strength. We also need the fruits of the Holy Spirit to sustain us spiritually. Because there are many things in life that can sap our strength. It can, it can, it can zap it. Things that uh, sometimes you don't know the source of, but you just might feel spiritually weak at times. I have an old car at the house, 2004. And recently, uh, if you don't uh, run the engine for a little bit, the battery goes dead. So, but. Uh, the uh, mechanic said, well, there's, there's got to be a draw there somewhere, you know, something that's sapping the power. 
Spiritually speaking, too, you know, sometimes we go out to start ourselves and it just, it just, you know, for some reason or other, you just can't get into the mood. You just can't get in the swing of things. You feel like you're just spiritually drained and you just want to uh, go to the couch and, and, and curl up and let the day pass. I'm human. That happens to me sometimes. So there are many things in, in, in life that can happen. Discouragements and trials, sorrows and and envies and hatred and, and, and so on. But as Paul told Timothy, here's good advice that was directed toward Timothy and also to us today. Stir up the spirit that's in you. You know, get a, get a jump like I have to do sometimes to, uh, to uh, uh, start uh, the old Jeep. You jump. It's it's a it's kind of a hassle. You got to raise the lid up. You got to get the everything in the right place, and you try to remember which goat comes first. Is it red on the positive terminal of the dead engine, and you know all that. So it can be a hassle, but uh, I I have a dependable source of energy though, and that would be Carolyn's car. I just take her car and back it on down and hook it up, and I'm able to start. <laughs> So I got to keep the engine running. I got to start it every day. I got to stir up that engine. Just before I leave, uh, left today, I, I, you know, turn the key on, and because I know if I don't, that battery might run down. It's kind of like in our life. We've got to stir it up. And if, and if it doesn't stir up, you know, we get somebody to, to jump us. You know, <laughs> I don't mean it. You know that. Cause sometimes we do get jumped. You know, for some. But you know, it takes our fellowship to help one another get a jump start on the day. Just like Pentecost, getting a jump start on life and in the uh, purpose and will of God. We've got to stir up the force. We've got to stir up the power. And it also says, and quench not the spirit. You know, that's what happens when we know to do good, but don't. Don't quench the spirit. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, don't be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we see that we're supposed to sow to the Spirit to reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So Pentecost pictures both the foundation of the New Testament church and the sending of the Holy Spirit into our lives, into the world for those who believe. Christ said he would build his church, so it came to being when he uh, began to call out his disciples, and he later commissioned them to go into the uttermost parts of the uh, world to teach and to observe uh, as he uh, taught and magnified the scriptures. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven 
and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. So we see that those disciples did their part. And it's, in thinking about it, it's time for all of us to do what we can. And doing that is going to take willpower, and it's going to take vision, vision, and it's going to take wisdom, and it's going to take unity, and it's going to take love. And we can find that power and that direction in prayer. We stir it up, and we pray, not just for ourselves, but also for, for one another. Every last one of us has access to the Holy of Holies, young and old, and you children also. You know, prayer accomplishes things. Pray for your, your mom and dad. Pray for others as well. And believe he will answer because it is his pleasure to give good gifts to those who ask humbly and, of course, wisely. In Matthew chapter 6, Verse 11, it says, in part of this, uh, this prayer, this model prayer that Jesus Christ gave, that we're to ask the Father to give us this day our daily bread, things we need, and, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And in closing, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the spirit of power that is in the Holy Spirit that he has given unto you and to me.